go back to the fellowship hall. It could be anywhere from preschoolers to high schoolers. So, uh, and then they'll be brought back in a little bit. And, uh, and then if there's any children in the nursery that are collected, they'll be returned back to the nursery area. All right. Thank you guys for leading us as we had the chance to sing to the Lord this morning. James chapter 4, I want to read just two verses this morning. I want to begin at verse 11 of chapter 4 and, and then read verse 12 as well. It's on page 1013 if you'd like to use a Bible from the church. Either way, this is God's word for us this morning. And here's what God says. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks evil against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word. There's, there's no word like your word. Your word is true. It's eternal. It's living. It's active. And so we would pray, Father, that as we take these next moments and consider what we've just read from your word, that you would help us. We want to learn what your word says, but more than that, we want to be transformed by what your word said. We want to be the kind of people that your word speaks of. And so we need your help, your spirit, your grace. May you be honored even now as we receive your word, for we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're completing this, last, this current unit of James. It began in chapter one. I mean, it began in verse one of chapter three. Speaking of the tongue, the use of our speech, and, and now as it brings things to a completion in, in, in chapter 4, verse 12, it's, we're back to where we started from. We're, we're speaking of an improper use of our tongue and uh, inappropriate speech. And yet the particular application here in verses 11 through 12 are, um, it's, well, it's not a completely new concept, but this is how he's wrapping it up, speaking of what he has described here as evil speech, speaking evil against a brother. Two things I want us to note concerning these two verses. First of all, what are these words, these words of speaking evil against a brother? And then secondly, um, why is it wrong to do that? Why is it wrong to speak evil words against a brother? And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the first point and split it into two segments. The first segment of the first point will just be some general observations. What is this thing that, that James calls uh, speaking evil against a brother? And, and then I'm going to jump to the second point and uh, consider uh, why this passage says it's wrong to speak evil against a brother. 
and then we're going to come back and complete the first point. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? Yeah, just don't talk bad about me. But, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll look at really some um, uh, practical specifics as to uh, how we can so easily do the very thing that's clearly forbidden in this passage. First of all, what are we talking about? Do not speak evil against another brothers. I would suggest to you that really what he is condemning, what we should stay away from, what is forbidden in this passage is what we would know as slandering, defaming someone, maligning or harming the reputation of someone. Slander is different than gossip in a technical sense. Not that one of them's okay to do, one of them's not. Uh, but gossip is, is telling perhaps true things about a person, but you're just telling those true things about a person to inappropriate people. That, that, that you, you don't need to pass that tale on to someone else, even though it's a true tale. Whereas slander is, is speaking falsely. And that can consist of either you've created the falsehood or maybe you didn't create it, but you're part of the conduit passing it on to someone else. Slandering is uh, no small matter in the scriptures. This, I mean, in other words, James isn't, isn't taking this like rarefied uh, episode and, um, uh, and saying, oh, by the way, this has never been brought before, but you shouldn't do this as well. No, the scripture is replete uh, with admonitions against slandering. Slandering is clearly forbidden in the scripture. For instance, in James, I'm sorry, in Romans chapter one, you know, the whole list there in, 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 in James, I mean, Romans chapter one of, of people who do not know God and how they act, demonstrating that they do not know God, slandering is one of the descriptors there. There's a whole list of things, but, but to slander someone implies you don't know God. When we slander we act like we don't know God. Or in Mark chapter 7, James, um, Jesus uh, uh, mentions slander uh, as an act of a heart that is bent and consumed in sin. So when we slander, we are, we are suggesting that our hearts are bent and filled with sin. We have sinful hearts. Or in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, I mean, I'm sorry, in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, slander is one of the things mentioned where in that section of Proverbs it says there's six things that the Lord hates, yea, there's seven. Uh, and slandering a brother uh, is one of those six or seven things, if you would. Um, in in Psalm 101, verse 5, um, to slander someone is to be synonymous with possessing an arrogant heart. When we slander someone, 
we demonstrate or suggest that our heart is filled with pride. And and that really takes us back to the context of James. James doesn't come out of nowhere to start talking about slandering in verses 11 through 12. He's dealt with improper speech earlier in chapter 3, and then he's transitioned and he's dealt with the whole middle section of 3.1 to 4.12 has dealt with the operation of the human heart, for that is where our speech comes from anyhow, and that reinforces what Jesus said in in Mark 7. So for instance, remember what he said, here's some of the things he said, and apply it here, when you and I slander someone then what's going on under the hood is that uh, we are motivated by bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, to quote James 3, 14. To to slander someone demonstrates that we operate with a kind of wisdom, which is really folly, but a kind of wisdom that is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. When we slander someone, James has said in chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, it demonstrates that we have a quarrelsome, violent, warlike bent because we want something and someone else has it. Or um, James would say in verse 8 of chapter 4 that to, to, to slander someone shows that, and this connects with Psalm 101, verse 5, but when we slander someone, it shows that our heart is void of humility and filled with pride. You would say that in 4.10 as well, the verse just preceding what we've, what we've just read or when you and I slander someone, it's suggestive in James 4, 8 that our, our hearts are double-minded and they lack purity. So this is no small matter. Neither the, neither, neither the act of slandering someone nor what that act reveals about the posture and condition of our hearts. If we were to press further into the New Testament, where there's lists of vices that believers are to shun and um, not participate in, and to the extent that they still linger with us, they are to be stripped off of our lives decidedly and put to death resolutely. In Ephesians 4.31, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, in Colossians 3 verse 5 and in Titus 3 verse 2 all of those lists of vices there include the vice of slandering someone else when we operate slanderously we sometimes do it with a great boldness and bluntness but perhaps more often We do it, we slander secretly and subtly. Slander is a form of 
theft and or a form of murder. For when we speak evil against someone or of someone, we are really seeking to assassinate the character of a person. When we speak evil against or about someone, we are really seeking to steal their reputation, their good name. All I want to say about the first segment of the first point, we'll come back to the first point after we finish the second point. Why is it wrong to speak evil against or about someone? Why is it wrong to slander someone? The second part of verse 11 and then verse 12 explains that. And it gives two reasons why it is wrong to slander someone. The first reason that it gives is that when we slander someone, we undermine the law. And secondly, when we slander someone, we usurp the Lord. Now let's look at those in greater detail. Starting in um, that second segment of verse 11, I'll just go ahead and read verse 11 over again. Uh, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. That's the first segment of verse 11. Now, now uh, that's what we are not to do. Now he unpacks the reasons why we are forbidden from doing that. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother. Now, notice what he's done here. What is he talking about? He's talking about judging, a, he's talking about speaking evil against his brother, but he's now equated that with judging a brother. So hang on to that thought in a second. We're, we've got to come back and clarify something important about this passage, what it says and what it doesn't say. But for now, just hang on to that. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil, or in other words, slanders the law, speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge, So what he's done is he's taken this notion that he's introduced us with, and that is we shouldn't speak evil against a brother. And he's put an interchangeable term into this second part of verse 11 to describe what he means by slandering or speaking evil against a brother. Because when when we slander a brother, we judge them. I would suggest to you what he means by we judge them wrongly. We judge them in ways that are unlawful for us to judge them. One of the the misconceptions that we sometimes have as Christians is we misunderstand this notion of judging as the scripture explains it to us. The scripture does not forbid all forms of judgment. For instance, the scripture calls us to be discerning people. What does that mean to be a discerning person? It means that we have the capability to render a moral judgment. 
We're judging. That's right. That's wrong. That's true. That's false. That's beautiful. That's ugly. We, we should be able to dis- differentiate what is true and what is good and what is beautiful. And, and, and in so doing, in that sense, in the rightful way, we are people that have the, the capacity to rightly judge, to discern um, how to render a judgment, not, not, not a condemnation. It, you and I are, are, are in that classification to condemn somebody. God condemns people. That is his prerogative. That is his freedom. That is his right. But, but that doesn't mean that we uh, are to stay away from um, tagging and labeling something as false or bad or wrong, or ugly. In that sense, we are rendering a judgment. It's not what this passage is condemning. In fact, in John chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus himself says, stop judging by mere appearance. And then what he says, and make a right judgment. There's a wrong kind of way to judge, and there's a right kind of way to judge. You say, Joe, aren't you judging? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm saying that kind of judging is wrong. Well, you're judgmental. Well, you see how that would collapse on itself? Uh, you know, we, we only, it's like the only scripture that Americans know is judge not lest ye be judged. Well, if you read the context, we, we understand how we violate the true significant meaning of that. For even in that, that sermon, that, that Sermon on the Mount that that passage is found in, Jesus proceeds to render moral judgments about things. Just even by the sure fact of, you mean it's wrong to judge inappropriately? Yes, that's wrong. Wasn't that a judgment? Yes, it is. Here in this passage, so when he's talking about the forbidding of judging people, he's talking about that in the context of, of judging people wrongly by slandering them, judging them falsely. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul, as the church at Corinth there, is dealing with someone who is engaged in an immoral lifestyle, he calls upon the church to judge that brother, to literally put him out of that church with the hope that that he would repent and come to his senses. Or you don't have to read the New Testament very long before you bump into repeated scenarios of the apostles um, uh, judging those who would be teaching falsely. If you really want to get the, the apostles reared up, just try to teach a false gospel. They will not be quiet about that. They will render a judgment against that. So all forms of judgment are not off the table in what he's describing here. He's just saying the one who speaks 
against his brother, the one who slanders his brother. That is, he judges his brother. So judging is defined by slanderous kinds of judgment here in this passage. Then to do that, this is the first reason it's wrong to, to slander or to judge wrongly, because what we are actually doing is that we are speaking against the law. We are slandering the law and judging the law. So when we slander a brother, we violate the law. It is the law's role to judge. And any rendering that we make in terms of a moral judgment must only and always be in submission to the law and not against the law. In other words, you and I can only judge saying something is right or wrong or true or false or good or bad or ugly or beautiful insofar as the law has defined that for us. You say, well, Joe, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. What if, what if I see someone doing something that the law is silent about? Then follow suit. If the law does not condemn that, if the law does not render a judgment upon that, then neither should we. For when we judge beyond the parameters of the law, we are entering into slanderous work, not holy and good and godly work. When we slander, thinking it's okay to slander. We are going against the law. Leviticus 19, 16 specifically says, you shall not go around uh, and, 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 and slander uh, your people. The, the law is very clear about that. He goes on to say in the second part of of. of Verse 11, the third part of verse 11. But if you judge the law, see how do we get there? When you, when you and I, when we slander a brother, we are actually slandering the law. When we judge the law, we are not being doers of the law, but we have placed ourselves above the law and now think we can sit and render a judgment against the law. We are to submit uh, to the judgments of the law and only judge in accordance with the law. To do otherwise is to replace the law's verdict and to come up with our own verdict, which bumps us into the second reason why we should not slander a brother. And that's in verse 12. Not only do we undermine the law, but we usurp God. He says in verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge. And guess what? That's not me. Uh, and guess what? That's not any of us. We are not lawgivers or judges, um, in part because uh, uh, he it says he 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 who is able to save and to destroy. We don't have the capabilities to really do that. And he brings it. So, so who are you to judge your neighbor? Do 
You and I have no authority to go beyond the law in rendering a moral judgment when we do, when we speak ill against somebody in a way that the law does not give us permission to. We not only undermine the law, but we usurp God. It is his role. Everything he says is true. Everything he says and does is good. Everything he says and does is right. Everything he says and does is beautiful. And, and so our lives, our actions, our words must correspond with who he is and what he says and what he does. And not contrary to that, not against that. When we slander a brother, we usurp God's role as judge. That's why I think James would say, and there again, that's why anyone who would slander a brother lacks humility, is filled with pride, because we're actually looking for the number one spot, and we think that that somehow, in that number one spot, we can take the place of God, and where he's not done a good job of slandering somebody, okay, I got this, we can, we can fill it in. So, what are we talking about? We're talking about slander. Why should we not slander a brother? Because it is unlawful to do so. It undermines the law, in fact, and it is ungodly to do so. It usurps God's role and authority in life. Now, what I want to, what I want to do for the next several minutes is I want to try to unpack some of this. We, I mean, we know it's wrong, and we maybe know something about the reason why it's wrong, um, but um, why is it so common that we could do that? Something that the Bible is not obscure about, something that, that uh, there's no ambiguity about the, the evilness of slandering, then how do, how do we get there? Why are we so good at this? Let me give you three things to consider. Um, three common traits behind our temptation to and our engagement to slander. First, sometimes we slander people because we ourselves have been duped or tricked by an untrustworthy source. Sometimes we're not the creator of the slanderous reality, but we are the conveyor, the passer honor of such slander. We don't have to make up the lie personally. Um, we just have, ha we don't have to make up the lie to participate in slander. We could simply pass on what we really don't know or haven't truly verified. Now, I'm glad you're seated because I would hate for someone to faint, pass out at this moment, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna shock you here. Not Everything you read on social media is true. All right? You might need a glass of water or anything. It's just, we have, um, we, we, we have a, a heart restarter device in the, in the hallway. We can get that for you if we need to. Um, social media is far too common in our life today, and... Um, uh, certainly, we can make the case where, we, where there's something good that comes out of that. It, it, it is what it is. It's part of the world that we live in. Um, but, but here's how it pertains to slander. 
we read something, we see something, we watch something on social media, uh, and um, we then repost it or we retell it, we pass it on in conversation, but we haven't done the work of verifying if it's really the case. You say, well, I don't have time to do the work of verifying if it's true or not. Then you don't have the time to pass it on. If it takes too long to verify it, then zip it. Don't be a conveyor in slander. We, uh, but but it, you see, don't, do you feel how easy that is to get sucked into that? We read something and it resonates with us. It's like, that's probably true because I don't like that person anyway. That's why James has told us already before we ever got to this point, we should be slow to speak. We should be slow to repost. I don't think that's taking James out of context here. If he was, if he was living in the vibe of today, he would, he would tell us to be slow to speak and be slow to repost. Sometimes you may have to go to the person and verify, hey, this is what I heard about you. This is what everybody is saying about you. And before I pass that on, I thought it would be helpful to come to you with that. You say, but Joe, what if I don't even know the person? I think that opens up a bigger issue in our lives. Because probably most of the slandering on social media is that you and I are reposting things that, um, that we don't even really know these people. Let me ask you a question. Why are we so concerned about people we don't even know? First Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us to live a quiet life. To work with our hands. To mind our own business. First Timothy chapter 5 condemns the activity of being a busybody. Psalm 131 reminds us that I do not occupy myself with things too great. For me. He said, well, Joe, Joe, you don't understand what's going on in Washington. I probably don't. I don't want to, I don't even want to understand half of what I do think I understand. I understand that it's a wicked cesspool there, and, I, and, and uh, that's not even slandering. <laughs> Maybe it is, but. Uh, But you know what? 
whatever is going on somewhere else around the world, whatever is even percolating in the capital, while these things do concern us, and I'm not asking us to be naive and Pollyanna about these things, I'm also saying that these things need not drive your daily life. Is there, is there a correlation between the rise of this thing called mental health and these things called anxiety and anger and, 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 and our, our overconsumption of media that revs us up and uh, ignites us and uh, consumes us with anxiousness. Do not occupy myself with things too great for me. I've not been placed in the halls of government to run the nation. What they do is what they do. And yet, what we believe is that we are in God's hands. There's not a thing that they will do in Washington that God doesn't sign off on first. And so we need not consume ourselves with a sense of, of uh, bombasticness that validates our leveraging of slander because we are on a mission from God and have a holy cause. No, there is joy found in minding our own business and in living a quiet life. That may mean curtailing the amount of social media intake, and yet I'm not lured over that. But I am saying that, but if you're a hot mess, then I think you've answered your own question on how much you should take in. Second, so first we've been duped and tricked by an untrustworthy source. So we're just passing on uh, what, uh, what we've been told. Second um, is that sometimes we slander people because we have misunderstood or misinterpreted what a person said or did. Communication's a tricky thing, don't you agree? Only those of you who are married would understand that. Uh, but um, because what we heard, or even what we read, we could hear or read it wrongly. We, we all receive the words uh, and the speech of others, but then you know what we do when we hear that? We filter it through our grid, and our grid is an interpretive grid. And something that you have said, the way it lands on what somebody else has heard could be very different realities. We can hear people wrongly because we, first of all, didn't hear everything they said. But secondly, we could, we could hear them wrongly because even insofar as we heard what they said, we, um, we assumed the worst and misfired in our interpretation of what they said. We, we, we tend to want to interpret people in the worst light possible, particularly those we don't like to begin with. And what I mean by that is then what, where we go next is then we 
We declare that person in light of not what they technically said, but in light of how we heard what they said. That could be very different things. So what do you do with that again? Well, just the, the solution is similar to the previous issue. The previously, it, 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 you can go to the person and verify so that you're not been duped or tricked into the un, untrustworthy source. Well, if you've misunderstood or, and or misinterpreted a person, what do you do? You go, you go to that person. You say, this is, what I, is this what you intended to say? <laughs> uh, this is, that's what I heard. So if I misheard that, could you say it to me again in another way? I read a book review, in fact, just this week, of uh, a, 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 a pastor, and a, he's a professor at a seminary as well. He, he did a review of a, of a book. It wasn't a very good book. Um, but what I found so intriguing, what, what I was so impressed by, is that the reviewer actually read the book three times before he wrote the review because he wanted to guard against his own heart and tendency of, he already kind of suspected I'm on the opposite side of the fence on this issue. And so, but I'm gonna read that into the book. And so he was so uh, concerned not to do that, he actually read the book three times before he wrote his review. And, And what I think is so wonderful is that, and it was a critical review, But then the author of the book that was under review uh, said this in reply. First of all, this reviewer understands my argument. They disagree. And and that's fine insofar as that is. To disagree with somebody is, is not to necessitate that we have to slander somebody. In fact, if we really want to honor the Lord those whom we do disagree with, how much harder would we bend over to make sure that we are striving with everything in us that the disagreement is over the issue itself and is not an attack on the persons involved in the issues. Because slander is way beyond, you know what, I don't agree with you. Slander is a frontal attack against the person wishing to, as we talked about the other, assassinate their character or to steal their good name. A third reason, and I guess this is kind of the lump all. In other words, if we don't, <laughs> if we can't think of a good reason why we should slander somebody uh, because we've been tricked uh, by an untrustworthy source or we've misunderstood the person, misinterpreted them, um, is that honestly sometimes um, uh, we, um, we, we're committed to slander just because, well, there's something percolating in each of our hearts that wants to make a name for ourselves. And sometimes it feels like it makes sense that the way I can make a name for myself is to destroy yours. I mean, then I become the hero, you're the villain, and the world is right at that moment. Now, a corollary to that is, well, maybe they started it. Maybe they were trying to make a name for themselves. 
uh, at your expense. And so they uh, thought it might be good to go on attack and, uh, and slander you first. What do you do if you've been slandered? I know what it feels natural, native to do. You develop a bigger body of slander and fire back. And yet, what the scripture tells us to do, in 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter warns that believers will be slandered. He says, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ uh, may be put to shame. Now, why will they be put to shame? Because we've gone on the counteroffensive and shamed them? No, because we know that we are in God's hands and that God, as he sees fit, will bring shame to the false slandering and accusation. Or like, he's, like Paul would say in Romans 12, uh, bless those who persecute you. So if the persecution is in the form of slander, bless those who slander you. Bless and do not curse. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Maybe the Lord doesn't want us to have a great name, and so he's raising up somebody to slander us. That's in his hands. But that would not vindicate us or justify us to, to retaliate for, because that is us taking things out of the hands to whom they belong, God's hands, and it's placing us into our, placing things into our own hands. And I'll close with this. Our dear Lord was a person who was slandered. A whole sermon we could do perhaps just on the examples of how Jesus was slandered. I'll give two. First, in Luke 7, because of his association with people that the religious elites didn't find acceptable, Jesus was called a glutton and a drunkard. That's slanderous. Or in Matthew 26, 61, when they were trying to figure out a bogus way to charge Jesus to justify the, their attempt to, their desire to murder him and crucify him, they actually misquoted Jesus. He would say in John, tear this temple down and in three days I will build it back. They, they, they took that out of its context. They misinterpreted and said that he was threatening to tear down the, the temple the physical temple there. And they used those charges falsely against him. They slandered him by misquoting him. And yet what was our Lord's response to a life of having received slander from upon the cross? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That forgiveness is available to any of us even this morning. For maybe we haven't directly slandered the Lord, but we each could be found guilty 
of slandering in some way, shape, form, or another. And Jesus offers forgiveness to all slanderers and any other host of sinners, but all slanderers who come to Jesus and trust only in him will be pardoned of our slanderous words. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity by which you speak to us from your word. Thank you for the wisdom that you give. We thank you for the grace of your spirit that you provide to your people so that when we hear that slandering is forbidden, we can trust that you will give us everything we need to be that kind of people who refrain from slandering. Thank you for what you've done for us on the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this song together.